about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. I have found in my own life, I've never really doubted what God could do. I doubted what I could do. And because I did, I didn't do anything. And people would say, can God do it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, God can do it. But then I didn't know that I was given the opportunity. He said that greater works we would do. He never said he would do greater works. He said we would do greater works. But we have trouble doing that, and that's because, you know, what we've been talking about for a long time, it's because of our unrighteous attitude that we have in ourselves, that we're weak, that we're, that we're sinners, that we don't measure up to God, that we don't. Righteousness basically is coming in line with God's way of thinking. And when you do that, you're going to find out that you have a legal right to deliver people. You're not begging God trying to get him to deliver because you're a citizen and a son of God. You have a legal right to set people free. You have a legal right to heal people. You have a legal right to deliver people because that's part of your citizenship that he's already given each and every one of us. Just look at Romans chapter 5. We won't keep you past 2. All right, Romans chapter 5, are you there? Look at verse 16. It says, And not as it was by one, talking about Adam, that sin, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation. How many know that came through Adam's sin? But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. How many know that was by Jesus? Look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Say, that's me. That's me. So notice, God's not called to reign in this life. You are called right. to reign in this life. And how am I going to reign in this life? Or I'm going to have to receive. Say, receive. receive. I'm not going to have to get. I'm not going to have to qualify for. I'm not going to have to do my best to do. I'm going to receive the free gift. Say, the gift, the gift. of righteousness. And how many of you know that came to you the day that you got born again, came in the kingdom of God, you were put on the same level as God. You're not down here, he's up here. You're up here, right aside of him. You're in right alignment with him. And God says that everything he does, basically now you can do because you have the same power on the inside of you. But notice how it comes, it comes through righteousness. Say righteousness. So now if you still believe you're not righteous and you're not justified according to what God says here, it's because you have more faith in what the devil did than what God did. Because if you're still in condemnation, you're still honoring what the devil did to put man in condemnation. Are you following? But if you know you're the righteousness of God in Christ, by much more it says you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, and you are in right alignment with him, praise God. Say, I'm in right alignment. I'm in right alignment. I have righteousness. I have a standing right before the Father and before the devil. All right, look at Galatians chapter 3. All right, Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 5. It says, He therefore that ministers to you in the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? 
even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. So here he's asking you a question. He's talking to you. He says, hey, if you want to minister in the spirit, you want to work miracles, are you going to do it by the works of the law, by you being good enough, by you praying enough, by you suffering enough, by you doing enough, or is it going to be simply because you've been born again and you have that legal right to do that? And you've got to make up your mind. You know, sometimes when, when God asks you to do something, you're going to go over everything you did wrong in the last week. And I'm not worthy to do it. You never will be. See, you can do it because you can do it. It's given to you. It's a citizenship right. Now look at the next verse. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted, say accounted. accounted. Notice, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So Abraham was Old Testament. He believed God and because he believed God, how many know it was accounted to him for righteousness? Now, how many know accounted is not imparted? Accounted means you can't be righteous because you can't get born again. You're in the Old Testament. But because you believe me, I can account to you the righteousness that you can't really obtain yet, but I can account it to you. He accounted righteousness to Moses. How many know Moses did a few signs, wonders, and miracles? How many know he didn't do them with the same righteousness that we have? He didn't have an imparted righteousness. He didn't have a right relationship with God. He was Old Testament. He was doing signs, wonders, and miracles with an accounted righteousness, or the Bible calls it an imputed righteousness to him. He's doing signs, wonders, and miracles. The church, who's full of the Holy Ghost, who God lives on the inside of him, who have been declared by the blood of Jesus. Abraham was only righteous under the blood of bulls and goats. But we're righteous under the blood of Jesus Christ, which puts us in a right, a right position to do what God wants us to do. And part of our rights is not just peace and joy and healing. I mean, all those things are good. We want those. But it's to deliver people. It's to set people free. It's to cast the devil out of people. These are legal rights that the church has. And most churches don't even talk about them. Much less tell you you got the rights to do it. But you have the right because you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You look at some of the people in the Old Testament who are the righteousness of God. I mean, Joshua. He made the sun stand still. Come on. The Bible says we got the law, we got victory over the laws of nature. How I many know oh, he proved it? Stand still. How I many know oh, the sun stood still? Old Testament. Was he the righteousness of God? No, he was an imputed righteousness. He was only sort of righteous, given to him on credit to do that kind of stuff. He took him all the way out of the promised land. He walked to the Jordan. It was overflowing at the banks. And he said, When you tip your tip of the toe in there, it's going to. Open up. Come on. Open up. If, if we see a, a toilet split, we'd probably think everything was great. Come on. Now, that's our mentality, isn't it? Yeah, I did this in the toilet water flow. Oh, my God. But notice, he had enough faith and enough to do it under the little imputed righteousness he had to put their foot in there and the whole thing. 40,000 people walked across on dry ground. And we're trying to get enough faith to heal a cold. Heal a hangnail. Do something for somebody. It's not faith so much. It's your position and your faith in your position, not your faith in God. I believe God heals. I, if God can't heal, who can? Right. I mean, where are we going to go? If God can't deliver people, who's going to do it? So that's not my problem. My problem was believing that I can do what he says I can do. And he says I can do the same thing that Jesus did. Jesus came and showed you the example of a born-again, spirit-filled man and how he's supposed to operate in the kingdom of God here on the earth. He didn't come here just so we could say, look at Jesus. Oh, he's so wonderful. And who talked about the, Marie talked about the boat. Yeah, they woke him up on the boat, but then if you remember, Jesus rebuked them. He didn't say, thank God you woke me up, because we were all going to drown. He said, what's the matter with you? Why didn't you talk to the storm? I don't know, Jesus, why didn't you talk to the storm? He said, you've been in Bible school three years, a storm comes and you still got to wake me up. Well, some people have been saved 25 years and they still... Every time something comes, we've got to wake Jesus up. Don't wake Jesus up. Take your authority that you've got. 
and the power of God that you've got, run that thing off, praise God. Put its tail between its legs and go. And you're not done yet. I just want you to know that it just keeps coming in. You're not done. You may have taken a detour uh, off the main I-95 that you were on, but I'm telling you what, and you didn't back up. You just took a detour. So you can go back to the place where you were at one time on your I-95 journey and jump right back on there and go straight ahead again. You don't have to make up for this or make up for lost time or make up for anything else. Just get back on the highway, praise God, where you belong and you were that sad. And I'll tell you what, you'll start running again with the things of the Lord just the way that you were, praise God. Don't get me gone, praise God, this morning. Get me all excited this morning. Because we're learning, we're growing up, we're learning this stuff. It belongs to us, praise God. Look at Elijah, go there, and they get the sacrifice there, remember that? He says, pray to your gods. And they're, yeah, yeah, nothing happening. He says, he probably can't hear today. Talk a little louder. I mean, it'll be fun to taunt the devil before you cast him out for a change. Come on, come a little, a little louder. Maybe he's busy today. Maybe check with him tomorrow. So when it's his turn, he pours water on it, and pours water on it, and, pours, and calls down to fire God. Guess what happened? He did not have the same righteousness that you've got. Not the same relationship. He had an imputed righteousness to you. We've got an imparted righteousness to each and every one of us. Abraham was the same way. Remember Abraham? Go to, Gen go to uh, Genesis 18. Everybody wants boldness, and they pray for boldness, but boldness deals with your relationship with him and your alignment with him. You can't be begging God to do things that God already wants to do and expect results. You just know that's what he wants done, and you do those things for him, praise God, because he's not here. How many know he's not here? I mean, we've talked about God's not in control here in the earth several times. People don't like it. They leave. They get mad. I can't help it. God's not in control down here. You're in control down here. And your job is to co-labor with him and connect with him. And the way you do that to allow him to do things in the earth is something called prayer. That's what prayer is all about. It's not to manipulate God and get him to do something. It's not to coax him to do what he promised to do. It's you to get in line with him and deliver for God here on the earth realm. You're the, you're the Uber. You're a heavenly Uber. Somebody needs healing. You say, God, this person needs healing. They deliver it to the front door and there you are. Praise God. It's the way it works. All right, Genesis chapter 18. Look at verse 23. Here's where Abraham, who had an imputed righteousness, dealt with God. And Abraham drew near and said, Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. Pre-adventure, there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place of the 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, and that so far from thee shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord said, Well, if I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. So Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I've taken up me to speak with the Lord, which I am but dust and ashes. Preadventure there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Will thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again. And he said, Preadventure, there shall be forty found. And he said, I will not do it for the forty's sake. And he said unto him, I'd like to have been watching this conversation. I don't know about you. Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Preadventure, there shall be thirty found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak for the Lord. Preadventure, there shall be twenty found there. He said, I will not destroy of the twenty's sake. 
And he said, oh, let the Lord not be angry with me. Now notice his attitude here. He's afraid in the presence of God, but he is in the presence of God. He's hoping God don't slap him for going through this whole thing here. You get me? He said, oh, please, God. Oh, all right, verse 32. And he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but once more. Preadventure 10 shall be found there, and he shall, and I will not destroy it for 10's sake. And the Lord went on his way, and as soon as he had left, communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. So here's Abraham. First of all, how could he even come in to talk to God? How could he even talk in, to his presence? Because he had imputed righteousness. Otherwise, you walk in the presence of God without righteousness in the Old Testament, you just touch, touch the tabernacle, you know what happens? Not a very good day for you. No, you don't want to do that. So, you, so he was already imputed righteousness. He had righteousness accounted. He was able to go in the Father, even though he still had the sin consciousness, he still wasn't born again, he could go and beg for these people's life of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, the first time I ever read this, and when I've thought it for years, here's God, he doesn't like people who are homosexual. So what's he doing? He's got a city of them think he's just going to destroy every one of those people and do it. So Abraham comes along. How I many a lot was there? So he goes there and he, he pleads with these people before God, pleads with these people before God, pleads with these people. And why did he do that? Basically because he wanted to save the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. But as I know God from a kingdom, say kingdom, kingdom. prospect, God wanted to save, listen to me now, he wanted to save Sodom and Gomorrah, but he had to find someone with some kind of righteousness to come in and plead with them so that he could save them because they were breaking the law which said if two men lie together, they die. Yeah. It's in Exodus. Two men, two women lie, you die. That's all there is to it. So they were under the law of death. God had no choice. But someone who was imputed righteousness came along and started saying, how about if there's 50? How about if there's 45? How about if there's 40? God says, hey, oh, I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. And he got down to 10. But notice, God destroyed him anyway. I thought, what a mean God. You know why he destroyed him? There weren't 10. He stopped. Too soon. Sometimes we stop. Sometimes we want to go so far with God because we believe that's all the further he wants us to go for right now. We don't want to ask him for much more because we're asking too much of him. We just don't want to be a barren burden on him. He's got a lot of people up there who need a lot of stuff right now, and I really don't want to drain him of all his healing power today. So, I'd, You see? No, there wasn't 10 people there. So God had no choice under the law. He had to destroy them. But also, he still saved the righteous. That, that's comforting for me in this world. He saved the righteous. Praise God. No weapon formed against you shall ever prosper. And everybody that rises up against you shall be condemned. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from. So as long as you're righteous, you have protection that nobody else has. You have something there that's not. So under the law, then these people should have been killed. God finally got somebody righteous who would come in and pray because God just couldn't do it. God needed someone on earth. Come on now. You've got to quit thinking the other way. Everybody thinks Abraham was begging God not to do something God wanted to do. No, he was cooperating accidentally with God who didn't want to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah to begin with. And he just took it down to 10 and then he quit. If he just went maybe to five, I think he got to five, he'd have probably had it. But he didn't get there. He stopped at 10. God says, oh, Abraham. Oh, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. And what did he do? He had to kill him because it's based on the law. Notice, people think God does everything. Somebody jumps off a 10-story building and dies. They want to blame God. No, a law killed them. It's called the law of gravity. Jump off the building, you die. Well, God just wanted him dead. No, God did not want him to jump off the building. He wanted someone to get up there who knew him and talk the person down from jumping off the building so that he... 
You see, we've got a place in the prayer life, but our prayer life is just giving God an opportunity to God's will be on the earth. His will be done on earth as it is in so we're bringing his will down here, basically. We're, we're bringing, somebody needs healing, we're bringing his will of healing through us to them and setting them free. So the works are not done just by believing that God can do them. Everybody, I, I think there's atheists that believe God can do things that are wonderful. But the question is, what, what can you do? What's your responsibility? What are you supposed to be doing? What's your prayer life? You know, we have prayer meetings and all that stuff, and how many know there's nothing wrong with prayer meetings? But I searched the Bible and Jesus never had one. I better quit. Yeah, every time he prayed, you know what he did? He went off by himself in the wilderness. Now, sometimes they followed him. But I'm sure he didn't get there to pray that they would come. Come on, are you listening? He went off by himself. So your corporate prayer life when you get together will show a lot about your private, private prayer life. If you can't pray in private, then you want a corporate all the time because everybody else can pray and you can just lift your hand and feel the presence every now and then and, and yell hallelujah after they pray something good. And that's not fine because then you can learn, you know, how to pray and how to do things. But notice, your, your own personal time with God, how many know that's what he's looking for? Looking for that personal commitment. That, uh, it real, he don't want you coming saying, oh, begging and pleading for this or for that. That is unrighteousness and you don't even have an audience with God. You got the audience with God when you start talking like someone who's lined up with God, just like Abe here did, but you don't have to worry about the whole thing. You don't have to cry about the whole thing. You can come boldly. The Bible says come boldly to the throne of grace. Remember in Acts after they got persecuted a little bit? He said, Lord, we may, that we may speak your word with all boldness, that your hand might move to heal, that signs and wonders would be done in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. And it said the place shook with power. Now, now, I've seen people shake in here with the power. I like to see it not too hard because we don't have that much insurance. <laughs> but I like to see the building. Maybe the building will shake sometime. It, it, I mean, we don't need it to shake. Are you following me? And you don't, need a, you don't need an experience with God. You just need to believe. I mean, the experience is not the thing we're looking for. The experience comes because you believed. See, we're not believing for an experience. We're just believing and then an experience happens every now and then and you can't do anything with it. So don't judge that either. You know, the Corinthians spoke in tongues all the time and they were the most carnal people you ever wanted to run into. And they were one of the only ones that did that. So it's not based on that. It's just based on your relationship with God and what do you want to do. And when you grow up in the kingdom of God, you're going to get your mind off yourself. You're going to get it off sin. The more sin you think about, the more sin you're going to get involved in, the less righteous you're going to feel, and the worse you're going to be. Just believe you're righteous, and you'll stop sinning. The Bible says, awake to righteousness and sin not. We want to wake to sin, then try not to. It doesn't work that way. You'll get what you believe. And if you believe you're a loser and a sinner, then you're going to live that way and beg God to get you out of that position. And he can't do it. He already sent Jesus to the cross and he already prayed for everything that you did. Praise God. So I believe I'm an anointed pastor. Why am I so anointed? I believe I'm anointed. What did you do to get anointed? Saved got born again. He got me born again when I was too stupid to know what I was doing. He anointed me before I even knew who the Holy Ghost was. He gave me the ability to preach before I could even talk. See, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him and what he's called me to and what he's done and what he did in my life. And everybody in the Old Testament that he calls fights with him. God ever asked you to do something and you had a little battle in your mind? Let me just make it easy for you. Pastor, ever actually ask you to preach on Wednesday night? Ever have a little battle in your mind? Yeah, he appears to Moses, shows him a burning bush that's not burning. You'd think that would be enough to get your attention. And Moses said, well, who should I tell him that's coming? God says, my God, I am. Get a clue. Jeez. 
So Moses says, well, they won't, listen. they won't listen to me. So he throws a stick down, says, pick it up, picks it up as a snake. I mean, no, that would get your attention. I mean, how many miracles do we need till we start believing? Right. Believing in miracles rather than the word of God, praise God. And then his favorite one, and this is everybody's, I don't speak very well. I got to speak, I got to speak in payment. <laughs> Nobody will hear what I'm talking about. God said, who gave you your mouth? Come on. Who's deposited the word in you over the last three, four years? Who's put something new in you? Who's put a fire on the inside of you? Who's woke up the Holy Ghost that's on the inside of you? Why are you finally actually worshiping and praising rather than just coming to kill 20 minutes? Why is this whole place starting to feel more and more of the presence of God? Why is it all taking place? Because we've got a group of people who are finding out they're the righteousness of God in Christ and they have legal rights in the kingdom of God and they're starting operating in the kingdom of God and bringing heaven into the earth realm just like God wants, praise God. The glory of God's already in heaven. It's in spots and spurts here. And matter of fact, the glory of God's in you. And you have glory in you. I have glory to preach. I don't have much glory in me to sing, but I do to worship. Amen. See, whatever God calls you to do and you start doing it, it's going to come out in God form rather than you form. How many are happy about that? Yeah, some of you had words this morning. Good. Every word was the word. How can anybody argue with the Lord will never leave you? Well, let me, let me think that over. Was that God? Or was that the devil? Oh, dear Lord, Jesus. People were just that carnal, for goodness sakes. No, it was the word of God that came forth this morning. And it was so neat, because you say, it came around over here. It's like, then it came over here. Then it came over here. I thought, wow, this is something here. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah, because that's what we're doing. We're all being raised up. We're, we're tired of being afraid. We're tired of believing what the world has told us to be, and half the church has told us who we are and what we can't do. And we're going to start doing it, praise God. And you're going to see the blind eyes open. You're going to see the deaf ears unstopped. You're going to see people jump off off their pallets. Praise God, just like the days of Jesus, because the days of Jesus has never ended. They've just been extended, and they've been extended through each and every one of us who are here. The problem is the church has stopped. You go to Jesus, it was signs, wonders, and miracles. Even the early church, who basically, you read their stuff, they were illiterate. They didn't know, they just knew Jesus was alive, and that's only because he appeared to them. They wouldn't even believe it. Well, Thomas, if I touch his hand, I'll believe he's here. I mean, talk about the epitome of unbelief. They didn't believe anything. You read the first five chapters, they didn't even talk about uh, being redeemed and being filled with the Spirit and all this. Most of them didn't even know what the heck they were doing, but they were just obeying what he told them to do. Amen. And they were in right standing with him because they got born again, and all at once people were getting up off mats. Shadows were healing people. Things were doing stuff. Sometimes we overthink this stuff. You think you've got to be perfect to do this stuff. You don't have to be perfect, but you will be perfect if you start doing it because you ain't got time to sin. You ain't got time to sin. You're too busy setting people free. It's hard to get unexcited when you're setting people free because it gets you excited. So you're walking around all the time, all excited, praise God. And people think you're nuts or you've got some kind of emotional disorder, but you don't, praise God. You're just excited about the things of God and what God wants to do, and he does it through you, praise God. The book, the book excites me. I don't, care, I don't care if we spend $85,000 on the book if it saves two people. It's worth the $85,000 in my book. If two people don't go to hell and they're full of the Holy Spirit, he's already got somebody born again in there. And saved, what, two weeks? Got one person in it. And how many more might get born again there? Praise God. Well, how many know if we all did that? Come on. But it's available to each and every one of us. You've got to accept the fact. I ain't doing nothing for the Lord. We'll start doing something for the Lord. It's not all about standing up here and having pastor, if I am, apostle, if I am, whatever I am. Praise God over here. See, it's more than that. 
It's more than that. And churches just should be instructing people up in the kingdom things that they can do, their righteousness, their holiness, their power, their authority, and those things, so that people go out and do it. I don't want to preach to you sin all the time. You know when you sin. Don't give me that about, I don't know if that's sin or not. Oh, yes, you do know if it's sin or not. Well, let me help you, because you feel like crap when you sin. You feel like crap. Nobody's got to tell you. Now, if you keep feeling like crap, you'll start talking, and then somebody else will tell you. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll be somebody who helps you out of the crap position and doesn't agree with you, but that might, that might get them gone. You never know. That might set them free. Praise God. Yeah, we know these things. We're not babies here changing diapers anymore. We're moving up in the things of God and signs, wonders, and miracles. We're going to have services where everybody's just coming up and say, well, I played for this person today. They were blind. Now they can see and had to give their dog away. And, and this one came here and they were healed and they could walk. They could, we can have services like that. That's okay. Praise God. We can even worship for another half hour after the first half hour if we feel like doing it. Praise God. But, but there's coming a day when the joy that you see is going to start invading everybody's life. And it comes from here, deep down in here. And it comes out. And if you laugh for a while, you'll feel like you worked 48 hours. But it's okay, because the joy of the Lord is your... And what is the kingdom? Now watch the kingdom. It is righteousness that leads to, that leads to, in the, so if you don't believe you're righteous, you've already killed your peace, you've killed your joy, and you've killed the Holy Ghost in your life. So we're teaching you righteous and continue to do it to show you you are in right alignment with him. You can't take credit for it. You can't say, I did this, I did that, I belong to this church, this or that. You can just say, because Jesus Christ, the same way with salvation. It was freely provided for you. You did nothing to get saved. As long as you tried to get saved, you never got saved. As long as you try to get righteous, you'll never walk in the righteous alignment that God has for each and every one of us. But we're there. God, God's a good God. He really likes you. He does. He likes you. I don't care if the person inside of you don't like you. He likes you. Praise God. He's a good God. And he, uh, this, is what, this is what we're heading into. I've been waiting for this for 30 years, praise God. This is no great revelation to me. But it takes time. How I many you know it takes time to get this stuff down in you? I was trained for 30 years in the bars, praise God, and there was a different spirit. Yeah, after... I keep wanting to sing that song, Righteousness, Peace, and Joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. You know that one. You want to sing it for us? The thing is, you guys, you guys, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. I got a microphone. Go ahead. Go ahead. pastor's wife I don't do but I do pray for Hallelujah. you and I pray for many people I have healing in my yes. hands Amen. and I have a, other and gifts yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you so other I can't gifts. sing I can't sing but I kept when he said that thing I thought oh that's an old song so Donna you know it right you want to come sing it with just pull it up it's pull it up it's by Ron Canoli I think righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Ghost that, and I thought to myself oh my God, you just said it. You just preached it. 
Yeah, well, I, I tried to lead into that song. I thought somebody would come up and talk about it, but you did, thank God, and you saved all the services. Very good to me. Anyway, that's where we're gone. Praise God. So, praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> there. Don't you want to be part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be the card of the kingdom? Come on, everybody. Your righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. And righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Don't you want to be part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Come on, everybody. Is that good? Anyway, take what you got this morning from everybody that's spoken here that hits you in the spirit. Look up that song. Listen to it over and over again if you need it. Whatever song hits you, that's a song you should continually listen to because songs appeal to everybody. Don't listen to every song, please. But listen to songs that move you, songs that touch you, scriptures that awaken to you. Put them down. Go over them several times. When they lose their flavor, move on to something else. Praise God. God's trying to get something across to each and every one of us at the different level that we are. Praise God. Last week, uh, Marie preached up a storm. Praise God. This week, we got Patrick. Yeah, you made me a little nervous this morning when you said, I said, dear Lord Jesus. I said, I'm all mixed up, and I messed up the calendar. I thought, I thought I made my first mistake as a pastor in 20-some years. That was terrible. Praise God. Really something. <laughs> All right, let's just pray this morning. I feel like praying. I just feel like thanking God this morning. I don't know why. I don't know why I want to thank him. I don't know why we, we really ain't got that much to thank him about, praise God. So I don't know why we even want to thank him this morning, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for bringing me out of the miry clay and setting my feet upon a rock to stay and giving me a new song in my heart, praise God and a new voice, and I thank you for everyone here, Father. We were all in the same spot, but praise God, you didn't give up on us. You loved us even while we were yet sinners. Hallelujah. But now we're the righteousness of God in Christ, and we're moving to that righteousness that will increase our relationship with you and our fellowship with you. And we thank you, Father. We want to fulfill your will in every single area that you've put us into and every single opportunity that we get. We thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We love you, Holy Ghost. Thank you for teaching us and instructing us and showing us and opening our eyes. And we give you the praise and glory for it. And we thank you for the name of Jesus. Glory to God. At every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. We thank you. You've given us everything that we need. And we decide today to start using everything that we have. And we thank you for what you've done this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay, we'll see you Wednesday night. the key.